Hey, it's DG, and I want to send you a ton of free marketing stuff right to your door or your inbox, whatever you want. I'm serious because, look, we know how it is. One of my favorite things about doing marketing at Drift is that we are all marketers just like you. So we're marketers doing marketing to marketers. It's crazy. And one thing we know that in the B2B world, there's so much content out there. It can be hard to figure out what to read and who to trust if you're looking to grow your business. And so we put together something that I call the ultimate conversational marketing starter kit. We asked our top customers, literally turned to them and said, what resources would you give to somebody new to Drift and conversational marketing? And we're packaging all that up to send right to your door for the first time for free. So that means I will send you a copy of the book I wrote with my boss, our CEO, David Can on conversational marketing. This book was an instant number one new release on Amazon in three categories, and it's already sold 10,000 plus copies to date. I'll literally send you the actual 262-page hardcover book right to your door. Also, we'll send you This Won't Scale, a digital copy of our very popular book, This Won't Scale, which is a book we wrote as a marketing team about how we do marketing at Drift. It's 110 pages. It's only been available as a hard copy, but we're making it available digitally for the first time as part of this offer. We'll also send you the Modern Marketers Playbook. You'll get a digital copy of our Modern Marketers Playbook, which is a guide we wrote with strategic insights from 35 of today's most influential marketing leaders from companies like Slack, LinkedIn, Okta, Vimeo, and more. We'll also give you the Conversational Marketing Blueprint, which is the best next step after you read the Conversational Marketing book. And it gives you a step-by-step guide for implementing and optimizing conversational marketing for your business and... It's not over. The conversational sales handbook. This is the guide you're going to need to give to your sales team to build your conversational sales strategy, aka what you do after you take everything you've learned in the book and the blueprint. All you have to do is visit drift.com slash starter and grab all this stuff right now. That's starter, S-T-A-R-T-E-R. I tried to have no Boston accent on that. Drift.com slash starter. We'll send everything right to your door or we'll literally uh, just send an email if you prefer that, okay? Drift.com slash starter, and I will see you hopefully there. Hey, everybody, it's DG back with another episode of The Swipe File. This episode, another one live from Saster with Anthony Canada, who's the CMO of Gainsight. We talked about, basically right after he got off stage at Saster, we talked about his talk, which was all about category creation. That is a topic that I love, uh, category design, and all the secrets that have gone into what they've done at Gainsight to build their category and customer success. If you love marketing, if you're thinking about category creation, especially if you're in B2B, you don't want to miss this episode, and I know you're going to enjoy it. Here's Anthony, the CMO of Gainsight, me, live, Saster 2019. Check it out. Okay. So, Anthony, I have been following your stuff. Big fan of what you guys are doing. Likewise. And then um, I saw your talk about category creation. I was a little jealous. It's a good topic. It's a good topic. We have some things to say. But I wanted to do a podcast with you live from Saster. Yeah. Kind of like digging into your talk. If you can still remember it, I know it was yesterday. Yeah, thanks. But I want to dig in. So, first, give some people background on who you are and kind of your story uh, at Gainsight. Yeah. yeah. So, Anthony Canada, I'm the CMO at Gainsight. We've been here for about six years and you know my story i guess is this is actually my first marketing job and so i kind of grew up at box in the early days in the kind of sales business development world uh, moved to product management did a bunch of like random basically every kind of circled around marketing and then when nick who i'd worked with before joined a company called gainsight 
we were rebranding to Gainsight. He asked me to come on board and run marketing. And so, did you know him before? Yeah, we worked at Live Office before. Oh, cool. Before together. So you were like BD sales guy. You exactly. were like exactly cool. I was like a 22 year old BD guy, like trying to figure it all out. But I guess I must have made an impression somewhere there with him. So he, what do you think he hired you for? Like just. You were the young, scrappy, like figure it out sales guy? I think so. I think it's that. And honestly, like this is kind of weird, but he always references like one presentation I gave at Live Office where like he liked the way I built the deck. And so I was like, man, that could have been sick that day. Right? Like, that, like that deck could have been, you know. So was your first job at Gainsight in marketing? Yeah. So I was the director of marketing reporting to him, head of, right? And I just rode the head of all the so way he up hi- to CMO. He hires you as director of marketing. Yeah. You've never done marketing in your no, life. Not at all. What did you do? And I had no intention of asking you this stuff, but no, it's such it a good fun. story that yeah, yeah. What, did, what the hell did you do? <laughs> what we didn't have right, was a like main competitor that yeah. was like the incumbent customer success, like, yeah. you know, 8,000 pound gorilla in the room. Like we had to go and figure out how to win like the hearts and minds of people and point to churn as like a thing that you had to really go and worry about. Did you have anything from a business perspective? Did you have leads, customers, website traffic? We had like five customers and like a series A note that was signed, right? Okay. Or a term sheet, right? Okay. It was very early days. Okay. We didn't have a brand. We didn't have a marketable database that was sizable enough to do anything. But one of the crazy things we did first was Nick asked me like literally less than 45 days in the job, we should go host an event which I took as like, let's go put a card down. It's a launch party, hoodies and t-shirts. <laughs> we'll get right? beers and pizza yeah, and exactly. like, it'd be great. Yeah. Exactly. And what he meant was go do an industry event and conference that had nothing to do with our company. It's not a customer event because to your point, we didn't really have many, but make it all about the people and the job, right? Make it all about the customer success people and make it about best practices and get them together in a room, let them network and kind of, you know, have network, have relationship and that's what we did. And I think the magic moment was we ended up with about 300 people there in our first year. The company had just rebranded to Gainside, So it was still super early days. Yeah. But we were like, oh my gosh, there's something here. And you tapped into such a thing, which is like, if you know anything about everybody that I've ever met that works in customer success is like, that's what they do. Yeah. Oh, right. Totally. That is a wrap. Like they love serving customers. Yeah. And so it seemed like such a good fit on the surface to get oh, yeah. those people in a room. Totally. And that feeling of having people in a room is unlike anything else in yeah. marketing. Well, and this is one thing you write about a lot, which I love um, is we're in kind of a new wave where it's not just about like selling products and services and marketing is like slanging licenses of software. It's not that anymore. There's actually people behind the logos that we sell to. And for customer success people, these are people that have a high degree of empathy. Like they care, they care about serving the customer, but now they're actually getting promoted and being recognized and driving growth with empathy. So that marriage is really interesting and yeah. kind of rare. I want to talk about brand stuff in a little bit, yeah, but I, yeah. I want to a little bit more on you and your career marketing. Totally. Cause I think this is for our marketing podcast, which people will listen to and want to learn from you. Yeah. Talk about the path from going from sales guy to individual contributor, yeah. you know, in a marketing role to growing a team to now CMO. Yeah. You know, I think every great marketer that you talk to, or at least I've had the pleasure of like interviewing, yeah. they all say the same thing is like every six months I'm reinventing myself. Totally. What are the kind of the waves that like break down the waves? Like, okay, you go from like, you're the guy running the event to now CMO. What are the kind of reinventions you've gone through? Yeah. So phase one was literally get the people in the job together and create early stage content that they're going to resonate with, whether that means blogs, webinars, eBooks, everything around me was an agency. We had an outsourced demand gen agency, outsourced PR. And it was like me and actually one person on my team who joined pretty early, basically doing a ton of writing. 
and a lot of evangelism yeah. around this thing. And you're having to spend your days like talking to the agency about budget and channels and PR. And I'm sure that yeah. helped you have to learn everything. Oh, totally. Absolutely. It was definitely like learning by osmosis. But also like, you know, the talk yesterday was on category creation. There aren't a lot of best practices for how to do it the way we were doing it. And so it's really learning by doing as well. It probably definitely made you better at marketing because yeah. I think one of the curses of being a marketer today is we like to see what everybody else is doing yeah. and then go do that. And yeah. so if you go in that without having that playbook before you're like, shit, I don't know any of this stuff. Totally. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Here's let's, how I would do let's it. Let's do this. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and that's what it was. It was basically like by being genuine, by being community builders, content creators, we can actually drive growth too. Maybe there's something to this. And so phase two came later and that was layering on demand gen in like a meaningful way. But all that was was amplifying the same stuff we were creating earlier. So yeah. now we were spending money, right? We were, you know, doing a lot of LinkedIn campaigns, you know, digital, some ABM work, but taking the content and just getting it exposed to the right audience. How do you stay true to like what you cared about, right? Because in the early days when you don't have big revenue goals, yeah. it's easier on paper to be like, we love everybody, come to our event, yeah. you know, and I felt this firsthand too, right? But as you scale, yeah. The lead number gets bigger. The yes. pipeline number gets bigger. You start to like be incentivized to almost do the bad things, right? Like, and the bad things meaning just like marketing that people don't like. So, yeah. how have you tried to stay true to being a brand throughout the six years as you've grown this team and built it into a machine? Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, I think we have the luxury of having Pulse be a micro brand that we operate, and so when we push stuff through that channel, it's not salesy. It's not crossing a boundary with that, the, the people on the other end of it. It's truly like for community building. Yeah. Now from the Gainsight side, of course, we have to figure out how to kind of score that activity and be able to look at folks that we want to position with a sales opportunity. And try Is, to get in front do you, of them. How do you think about Pulse? Is it a revenue generating thing? Is it, well, how do you think about it's it? It's like literally everything. Actually, you, know, you mentioned you spoke with Dan Rogers while you're out here. He had like an amazing kind of point of view on this. It's great. It's a compelling event for the product team to launch new functionality, new features. Yeah. It's a chance for us to reinvent ourselves, to your point, as a company from a positioning and messaging point of view. Employees love it. And they're like, wow, I joined the right company, the right movement. That's such an underrated thing. This is yeah. something that I learned from David from his time at HubSpot. Yeah. Every year, HubSpot had their big conference. Yeah. And he would have all the engineers go. So he ran the product team at HubSpot. Yeah. He would have all the engineers go. Yeah. And I remember him telling me at first, they were like, what? This is a conference for sales and marketing yeah, people. Yeah. Why am I here? But then what happened is I think they all had shirts that said like, I build the product, that's ask awesome. me questions. And that's when it changed because then it is bigger than, it's not a lead gen event. Yeah. It's not a brand event. Totally. It is the whole company. We are in this together to be totally. there that day. And then Absolutely. you're the whole team at Gainsight, Drift, whatever, yeah. becomes their best marketing channel because sure. they are fired up. Totally. That's exactly it. And, you know, we measure that, right? We measure like, hey, employee, what's the ENPS coming out of it? Like, you know, it you measure is. employee NP you. So you measure your employees NPS yeah. of the event. No, we'll look at it like quarterly. Oh, after because you know, the conference will see people some. are on a high, right? Totally, it's, you totally. made a big announcement. Everybody kind of just like, you know, worked their asses off For leading sure. up to this thing. For sure. I mean, we try to get as many of our new hires in before that. You know, it's a great way to get onboarded and excited about the journey you're about to go on. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it is a pipeline driver for us. And we set up basically just the behind the scenes of this is we have like a executive briefing center that we build. And we've got SDRs that are calling into folks in the registrant base. And I know that's an area we have to be very sensitive, very careful about. And we're basically offering up concierge service. So, um, hey, I know you're coming to Pulse. Is there anything I can do to help? Love that. How can I help you navigate the agenda? Is there anyone you're looking to meet? Those types of things. And if you kind of start getting down the discussion of software, hey, you know, 
would you like to meet with someone while you're there? And then we have this very high touch kind of experience for them. And we'll look at how many meetings do we book at the conference, how many of those converted. And at the end of the day, it's our biggest driver of pipe year in, year out. Give me the breakdown of your team today, if you can. Yeah. So I've got 60 people in marketing, of which 20 are in SDR. So SDR rolls up into marketing. We've got demand gen, which is all your typical kind of functions. We have a group called go-to-market, which is basically a bunch of things pulled into one. So we got product marketing, customer marketing, something called segment marketing. So we'll look at you know the enterprise, have an enterprise owner, a corporate owner, pricing and packaging. Oh, sales enablement. So we actually have enablement uh, centralized in marketing. I love the go-to-market packaging because it's typically like inside of a marketing team, everybody's, that's why I like asking this question because everybody does yeah. it differently. And there's always kind of like these, you kind of have like brand, creative, demand yeah. gen, and there's like product marketing, customer marketing, ops, enablement. Yeah. So you just kind of give them a label so it's totally. one team together. Yeah, we just had the cool yeah. one here for it. And yeah. say, hey, let's, let's go. How do you run the team? Like from a rituals, I'm interested. People love that, listen to this, like love nerding out on like what you do, right? So yeah. I want to know like, do you have your staff meeting, like your yeah. four or five direct reports, then you have all team meeting. What are the rituals in the marketing yeah, team? Yeah, well actually, you know, we, this is our first time talking about this, but we recently met and wanted to sort of reposition how we interact as a team because we have enablement and SDR, and this isn't all marketing, right? We're like a bunch of things plus marketing. And so we, we're borrowing a little bit from Twitter and some others and are calling ourselves one team. And I know that sounds kind of like a ritual, but it's true. And so what we'll do is basically do regular staff meetings, just like you know most folks have, but then we'll do weekly one team meetings where we have a chance to talk about like the highs and lows of the week, what really worked. We recognize some folks on the team that really stood out and did something meaningful. So like a moment of appreciation, basically. And then the idea is basically each meeting, we're going to cater something fun. And so it's stupid, but I think people really, we did Boba every Friday. People were like, hey, every, it's no, great. It's like our Friday Boba, like this is a thing. So we're trying to look for ways to actually, yeah. as we scale, maintain that specialness, maintain that culture, the subculture of the team. So we've got the Gainsight culture, but we want to be a special subculture within that team. Yeah, what is the one team swagger of, and it's different, right? You have SDRs, you have, yeah. those are all different people. Totally, totally. The people that are great at being an SDR are different than the person that's in a sales enablement role, that's different right. than a demand gen role. For sure, for sure. All right, let's talk about category creation. Right. Talk to me about why it's so important. Philosophically? Yeah, or, like why do you care about having a category? Yeah, I mean, I think this wasn't something we sought out for. It's like, we're gonna go build a category around this. Let's go Google category creation. Let's get a agency to come in and help us figure it out. There was none of that. We would only kind of looked back and said, Isn't oh, that, wow. That's a cure to all marketing problems though. You just like, you find an agency, yeah, right? they figure it out. Some specialized, yeah. someone that's done it yeah. once, right? Yeah, we didn't do that. We started doing a bunch of things and we started getting recognized as category creators. But I think the reason we did it was A, survival in the early days. So part of what we talked about in the session is, had we taken the path of what Gartner and Forrester were kind of asking us to do, they were basically saying, they're aligning our value proposition to a research area they already covered. So they said, you guys are like proactive customer support mm. or you know proactive account management. And so if we didn't create a category, Gainsight would be the proactive account management company and I think we'd be in a lot different of a place where- What was the title of your, you sent me the five things like yeah. that your talk was. The first one was Ignore Analysts? Ignore Analysts initially. 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 I know you're in Boston and a good amount of these folks are up that way, so I don't wanna- uh, No, no, it's fine. The account execs at the analyst firms make it hard to be ignored, so yes. I think it's totally okay, fine. fine. It's okay, totally good. fine. Good. I think the core idea is we saw that there was a persona that existed called the customer success manager. Yeah. Like I said, underappreciated, under-resourced but didn't have a company out there that was like fighting for them and really trying to help celebrate them. And so we said, you know, 
step one was we had to do it because that's where our conviction was. That's where we thought the market opportunity was. Now we look back and we're like, oh my gosh, this is actually really hard and a long game, but so fulfilling because what we've seen now is a lagging indicator is the growth in the profession. And so LinkedIn released data where now there's over 32,000 folks in the world with CSM in their title, growing triple digit percentages every year. We're like, holy crap, this we're changing lives, we're creating, which in enterprise software is hard, right? It's hard. You don't do that very often. I just walked by, on my way to meet you, I walked by somebody's booth, yeah. not even a competitor of ours, yeah. and on the booth, yeah. one of the things that they say they integrate with is conversational marketing, oh, right? Great. Didn't yeah. happen a year ago. That's awesome. Same thing with the jobs. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about what you said is, as much as you as a company wanted to find the category, yeah. by nature, it's not a category unless people from the outside start saying it. And That's so right. for us, it wasn't like, it wasn't, we said, this is what we are. We had an idea, but it wasn't until customers started saying, right. I'm doing conversational marketing. Totally. I want to be a customer success expert, totally, right? Totally. And then you're like, okay, now there's something real here. How do yeah. we enable this? Right. And to your point on ignoring the analysts, it's a balance, right? You have to help them shape the category, right? right? right. And so for us, the mix was, hey, I got 500 customers that are all raving about conversational marketing. Yeah. Do you want to talk to them? Yeah. That's a different story than, okay, we'll do it your way. Right, for sure, for sure. And I think the punchline we had eventually was, you know, customers end up validating the category, whether it's what you just said, like customers that you introduce to the analyst firms and they help standardize. You know, we look at like G2 Crowd and Trust Radius, some of these folks, their customers have voice. And so that's what we think is like the cool thing about all this. It's not even that we created the category, it's that we help facilitate the creation of the category that the customers really value. Yeah, your job is to, a category can't be only gain site. Oh, wait, yeah, yeah. Or only drift or yeah. only whatever, right? Yeah. It has to be by nature, multiple companies within a space. And then your job is to pull the whole thing up even higher. That's right. Yeah, and yeah. maybe even have competitors, like you have competitors in your space speaking yeah. at your conference because it's the bigger piece of this. If a company totally. says, there's a difference between a tagline and a category. Totally, yeah. totally. All right, yeah. what else was in your SaaS dirt thing? So you got five things. Number one was ignore analysts in, yeah. the, in the early days. Number two was focus on people and not just the products. And I think, you know, for us, we look back and we had like, you know, a very light version of the product we have today. Definitely needed a lot of work. We've rewritten the product a few times. And in that world, it wasn't about selling bits and bytes and features and all that. It was literally about finding the people and finding out a way to, you know, like we talked about celebrating. And it's amazing to your point about like how you had empathy and you really understood these early customers. It's amazing yeah. how much leeway they give you knowing yeah. that like this product might not be perfect now, yeah. but man, these guys get me. Yeah, totally. They get me as a customer success manager. Totally, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna just stick with them and they're gonna, we're gonna get through this together. For sure. No, I mean, on the business side, we hear things like, we're not ready for Gainsight today, but we will one day. We're gonna be a Gainsight customer one day. Imagine that somebody telling you, hey, That's we're right. gonna buy your stuff one day. Yeah, okay. we gotta figure our stuff out and you've helped me along the way, which is great, but we're not ready yet, but we're gonna be versus saying, oh yeah, we're looking at vendors, we'll open up a RFP one it's day. It's such a different mindset because that person who says yeah. they're gonna be a customer, yeah. they're gonna buy a ticket to your conference. Yeah. They're gonna listen to your podcast. Yeah, totally. They're gonna come say hi at an event. Exactly and then right. eventually when they go to another company, they're gonna buy. Yeah. Now, the hard thing, by the way, that was kind of the format of that talk was, here's a great thing and here's a really hard thing, Okay, is how that shows up in the funnel is tough because our top of funnel grows great, right? We've got so many people coming to the conferences, all that sort of stuff, they're engaged. Some of them just aren't gonna buy. And so the traditional metrics of like category yeah. creating funnels yeah. are different yeah. than like your traditional like disruptor thing because the conversion rates aren't always the same. You almost have two funnels, getting people into the category and then getting people into the software purchase yeah, process. That is a hard thing. I'm actually thinking about somebody, I know exactly this person where this guy comes to all of our stuff, yeah. biggest fan, but he's not gonna buy drifts because yeah. it's just not a fit. 
and there's maybe no budget, right? right. But that's the chicken and the egg thing, right? Totally. But we need that person to be an advocate for Drift for to sure. get the other people. For sure. I would argue that that is hard to talk to a CFO about, but great from a existential business. It is. You want people that are going to be, yeah. you know, fans, right? They're going to be fans of, of the brand. They're yep. going to get fed, get value out of like what you're creating. And then, you know, they might get another job one day and then there might be an opportunity to bring them in. And that's kind of the bet we're making. All right. Number three. What's number three? Do you know? Number three, be authentic at scale. And so the idea here is people like to do business with people that they like, that they respect. And so our job as marketers is interesting and you guys do this so well is to really take our values, take our purpose, think about our CEO or some of our exec team as like the outward expression of that and figure out a way to actually scale that for the rest of the world. Folks that aren't in our offices every day that aren't kind of getting time with our respective CEOs. And we do that through some crazy ways. We've recorded a rap video, literally Capitol Records. It's available now on Spotify. Who was on it? Are you in it? I was in the making of okay. the video part. Um, are there actual rappers at Gainsight or you had no, to go? Okay. This was actually the executive producer of a show on TBS called Drop the Mic. Uh, his okay. name is Jensen Karp. Any listeners in LA, he's on K-Rock in the morning. This guy's basically teaches celebrities how to rap. And so the whole shtick of the video is he's teaching our CEO how to rap and release like the anthem of record for customer success. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I didn't know any of this. This would have changed what I would have wanted Nick to speak at at Hypergrowth this year if there I had go, known man. that he was behind the scenes yeah. becoming a rapper. Yes, trying to become a rapper. You have to watch the video. It didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. His dream was crushed a little bit. It's good. But, Stay um, in your lane. That's Stay right. in your exactly. lane. This is a leading question because yeah. I know the answer. I believe it. But yeah, I want yeah. you to say it because it's powerful when it comes to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Why is the authentic part so important? This is to me yeah, yeah. the number one question. Dave, you know, I get you want to be real and authentic, but like how, you know, what happens if you get hit by a bus yeah. or, you know, but we sell the enterprise. They don't like it that way. Oh, my gosh. No, I love this question because um, to this day, there are many cases where somebody would from a Fortune 500 company, you know, GM, VPC level, what have you, will contact Nick and he would have never met Nick. And the first thing he would say to him is, man, I loved you in that rap video. And we're like, this stuff works. Yeah, you know why? Because yeah. that person is a person. It's a human, right? exactly. That's exactly right. And so for us, we do think of it as like pipeline acceleration or like the ability to really get in the door for places. And it seems to a lot of people that don't believe we're wasteful or that, you know, this is just a dumb idea, but it's literally for, at least at the high level, you're positioning Nick as someone you want to meet, someone you want to talk to, someone maybe you can even relate to. By the way, he's also running a successful software company, has a great product and working on a complex problem, but he's also a good person, right? And that's something that comes across in some of these campaigns. Someone that doesn't take himself too seriously either. But the other piece is that for the sort of end users or then the long tail of folks, they have an anthem they can listen to on their way to work and get excited about their job. And it's just a fun little touch point. And it's the people who are going to listen to that. Those are the real fans, right? Yes. It's like, that is like somebody like five threads deep on Reddit. Whoever's yeah. writing about <laughs> customer success on Reddit, yeah. like that is the people that you want to reach. Well, a cool thing is, you know, one of our customers is Slack and they actually, for their kickoff of implementing our product and launching it and all that sort of thing, filmed a music video of the rap song and performed it and like debuted it. So even our customers are jumping in, right? And saying yeah. like, you know, we feel like this is part of our culture now because we're in this industry and community together. That's what you show to the CFO. Yeah, right? exactly. You know, exactly. I remember at our big conference this year, Hypergrowth, 
the finance guy, DV, shout out to you, <laughs> who always would be beating me up. Oh, yeah. At the end of the day, came up to me. He shows no emotion. <laughs> gave me the biggest hug and he's like, this was worth That's every awesome. penny because you have to be there. You have to feel totally. it. Totally. All right. We got a couple more minutes. Do you remember number four? That um, was be authentic. Be long-term greedy. Long-term greedy. And we're stealing that from Sequoia, I believe, yeah. that claimed it. But the idea is like when you're creating a category short-term, it's really hard to do some planning around that. Sure. I mean, we talked about like the funnel and like, you know, looking at some industry benchmarks. But when you're long-term greedy, you're in it for this big end game that you're painting. Oh, We've never had a conversation. So Sequoia, Investor and in Drift, Pat right. Grady on our board, awesome. never have had a conversation with him without hearing about long-term, long-term, oh, awesome. long-term. And he's the biggest one on category creation. Yeah, yeah. And go back in the history books and look at every category creator. Yeah. They all were playing for the long game, totally. right? So back to your point from the beginning about yeah. category creation, yeah. you can't create one without knowing like, customer success is not gonna be a category for Q4 yeah. 2019. Yeah. It's gonna be for the next 10 years, 20 totally. years, 30 years. Totally. You're gonna tell your kids about this category. Absolutely. Generational companies is what we're aiming for from that front. And from a brand perspective, that's why it ties nicely to brand yeah. is because it makes it easier to make brand investments, right? Sure. If you and I left tomorrow and we start our own company and yeah. we had no money and we had to bootstrap it and yeah. we had to generate leads, yeah. the play would be a little bit different than you know, we're going to be in this for 20 years. Yeah, totally. No, I think that's right. To that point, long-term greed, it's easier to sort of say we're investing in things today for that long-term that we may not see some result for. But So is that, you know, was that your hard thing of the... What, CFOs what was the, don't get it. That was your hard <laughs> exactly. thing? CFOs exactly. don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. So CFOs don't get it. and It's planning very hard. But doesn't your CFO get it? Like when your CFO is at Pulse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, looking around yeah. like this is amazing. You get it. Shout out to Igor. I think he gave me a hug too. So <laughs> it, it, he, there's definitely like good the same type of thing. Like this was totally worth it. Now at scale, we're trying to figure out how to get more efficient with all of that, not sacrifice the experience and all that sort of thing. So yeah. he'll hug me even closer if I can. It do gets it. hard. It's like a huge wedding where like you got to feed everybody, yeah. and then if you only fed everybody, that just do that cost. Right. 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 Totally. <laughs> not to mention anything else. Yeah, for sure. All right. For what's sure. the fifth one? Evangelize. Right. In the marketing context, this makes a lot of sense. We've talked about this. It's like we've got to get people excited about being part of this new wave or be part of this movement, as we call it, the conversational marketing movement, right? And that is you know, through a lot of things like podcasting. You guys wrote a book. I saw you in Times Square a, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that was week. a week ago, a week last ago. week, last Wednesday we launched it, yeah. yeah pretty awesome. Yeah. So similar, we wrote a book with Wiley as well, yeah. got the word out. Yeah. But it's also the CEO, and then we're here at Saster, Jason talks about getting on a plane, getting on a jet. It's about the CEO and the exec team getting in front of the customer as often as we can. So we speak at like kickoffs, we speak at you know different kind of internal events. The idea is that when they want to have a customer success kickoff or want to talk about customer success, they're thinking about bringing Gainsight in to help tell that story, not to sell software, but to evangelize why this is important. And so very similar, I think we're very aligned as two companies on this to really kind of help get people excited about being part of this new wave. And also, you, the evangelism piece is not just to give people your message, yeah. but it's because people want that thing to rally around, right? Yeah. It's like, look at any movement, right? Yep. You are into CrossFit. You yep. want to watch videos and read books and yeah. read blogs about that movement, totally. regardless of the vendor. Totally. And so the book is not about us. Your yep. book is not about you. Yeah. It's about the people who are going to read it and have a playbook for yeah. them to flip through. And it becomes a prideful thing. Like, I have this. For sure. This is my tribe. It's mine. I think you've said some stuff around this over the years. But as marketers, our interpretation of that is we want to build a lifestyle brand. And for B2B, you're like, what? Those words are like, 
don't make any sense. Uh, obviously, in B2C, they do. Yeah. But the idea is we want to be career companions for people in the job. I love that. That's a good way. With them, career you know? companion is a That's good right. way to think about it. So they're going to get promoted. They're going to leave eventually. They're going to go somewhere else. But all along, we want to be the brand that's been there for them, whether it's helping them solve a business challenge that they heard on a podcast or saw a blog post or read in the book or got them you know, fired up about their job when they were on Spotify one day. And, you know, those are kind of the probably the two extremes of, of how we do that. Love it. Well, Anthony, thank you for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. How's your show going? Show's good? Going good. Season two, did you get renewed? Oh, B2B Creative. Did you get, on it. Did you get renewed? We're, yeah. Okay. Very expensive, turns out. So I'm looking for a way well, to hack it. Well, you rented a freaking auditorium yes. to do yeah. it. I was watching a couple. I watched a, So my prep for interviewing Dan Rogers was watching your interview. Yeah. And I knew you did the show. Yeah. But I didn't know that it was in like a theater. Oh, it was... Netflix production. Like, it was awesome. Except the Dan Rogers episode, if he's going to kill me, that one of the cameras went out on that one. But yeah, the production was very high level. Okay. Super expensive. It'll come back once we can figure out a way to bring it back. Yeah, that was one that the CFO shut down. That's exactly it. <laughs> thank you. Cool, man. Well, thank you for doing it live from Saster. Thanks so much for having yeah. me on. Appreciate Thanks, it. man. Hey, thanks for listening to another episode of The Swipe File. I'm having a lot of fun doing this podcast. And so because it's fun for me, I hope it's fun for you. And it would mean the world if you could leave a review. Reviews really help. Uh, And so go leave a review. Go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review. Let me know what you liked about the show, didn't like, want to hear more of. And also, if you're not already subscribed, make sure you go subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. The show is everywhere that you get your podcast, probably where you're listening right now. But if you want more content like this, if you want to go a layer deeper, join me on Drift Insider. It's drift.com slash insider. We're teaching courses, we're sharing videos, and we have exclusive content for people just like you in marketing that we do not share publicly. So go and check it out, drift.com slash insider.